The Bible has a lot to say about faith. It must be important because without it, it's impossible to please God. It must be powerful because with it, you can move a mountain. It must be solid because you can stand firm in it. It must be miraculous because it can heal you and make you well. It must be protective because you can use it as a shield. It must be active because without deeds, it is dead. Uh, it must be deep because it does not rest on human wisdom. It must be freeing because you were once a captive until it came. And it must be life-giving because you can be saved through it and can be justified by it. So after all of that, how in the world do you pin a definition on faith? Well, at Clarksburg Baptist Church, we believe that faith is our confidence in God. Confidence means full trust. Full trust. And that confidence, for us to really have it, for us to really have that full trust, it depends on the object of our confidence. The object of our confidence is God. And if you think about it and the relationship to what we just said, that you cannot move whatever mountain you face if you don't have full trust in the God who can make it happen. You cannot stand firm in God's truth unless you have the full trust that it is indeed truth. You cannot have freedom unless you trust the God who gives it. And you cannot have real assurance of salvation and eternal life unless you have the full trust in the God who makes it possible. When you break it all down, there are two basic things that you need to know about faith. The first thing is that we are justified by faith. The theological term for salvation, justification by faith. Uh, justification is, is a legal term. It's one that you would find in a court of law as sinners... We are guilty. We stand guilty in God's court of law. And we are helpless to do anything about it. We cannot free ourselves. And there is no way on our own that we have any hope of being pronounced innocent. However, Romans 3, verse 22. We are made right with God. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone is sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. We are justified. We are declared righteous the moment we come to God through faith in Christ. When we surrender to Him, when we accept Him as our Savior, we can know that freedom. Justification is not, does not make us righteous. It is something that is declared by God Himself. Our righteousness comes from placing our faith and our trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And his sacrifice covers our sins so that when God looks at us, he sees us as not guilty. And when we are justified by faith, we are freed forever from the penalty of sin. 
But from a human standpoint, that's hard to imagine. It seems like a radical idea. Because it excludes anything that people might do to become righteous. Uh, The righteousness that God provides has its origin not in us, but in what God did. And not in what we might accomplish. It can be received, but it cannot be earned. And we receive it by faith, not based on how many good things we've done in our lives. In fact, Robert Mounts says that God justifies the ungodly, not the well-intentioned. And justification is not simply a guarantee of heaven, as wonderful as that is. I look forward to going to heaven. And I'm glad that, that Christ and his work on the cross has provided that for me. But there are also blessings that can be enjoyed here and now. Later on in Romans, Paul refers to it as having peace with God. In Romans 5.1, he says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. Peace with God here can either mean let us grasp the fact that we have peace or let us enjoy the peace that we now have. I really think we can have both. I think that both are available to us. We we have peace with God because of our relationship with God Through Jesus Christ, the hostility has ceased between us and God. We no longer exist under God's wrath. So at the same time, it's both amazing of what God would do for us through Jesus Christ. But at the same time, it's joyful. The fact that we can live free from the penalty of sin. But the second thing you need to know about faith is that we are instructed to live by it. We are instructed to live by faith. We're going to look at a passage from the Old Testament, Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. It says this, See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. You may know the last part of that verse from the old King James uh, translation that says the just shall live by faith. Or maybe the, the older New International Version that says the righteous will live by faith. It's an important verse because Paul quotes it twice in the New Testament. Once in Romans and, and also in Galatians. And then uh, the writer to the Hebrews quotes it as we'll see here in just a few moments. But in Habakkuk, God uses the term faith in the sense of faithfulness or steadfastness. In other words, what he's saying is that the righteous will be preserved through the difficulties of life because of their steadfast loyalty to God. Now, God presents a pretty stark contrast The puffed up that he's talking about are those people who are full of pride and arrogance. And and he says they will die. However, the righteous, in contrast, by their faithfulness, will live. The righteous are those who are courageous enough to accept God's word of promise. Even in a world that's dominated by the enemies of God... It means that the righteous are those who are courageous enough to accept God's word of promise even 
in the face of seemingly insurmountable odds. It means that the righteous are those courageous enough to accept God's word of promise and follow him no matter what comes their way. Now, if you look at world history, you might say, well, wait a minute. Is God really in charge of things? Does God really even have an idea of what's going on? If you go all the way back to Habakkuk's time, when God is speaking these words to that prophet, they are suffering terribly under the Babylonians. And it's continued. To this day, there is suffering all over the world. And you may even look at your own life and and your life history and say, wait a minute. Is God really in control of things? Nothing ever goes right in my life. My life is miserable. How in the world can God be in control of the world and how can he be in control of me? Well, what you need to know is that God indeed cares for his people. Even when he seems distant, God indeed cares for his people. And even though the answer, even though the solution to our problems may be agonizingly slow in coming, we're to wait for it. To wait for it. Faith is our confidence in God. Will God keep his promise to us? I believe he will. But what we need to do is to be loyal and faithful to him as we wait for that promise. Faith is our confidence, our full trust in God. And that confidence is the key for consistent living, especially in difficult times. I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 10, beginning verse 35. It says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what God has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And by my righteous, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. I love that. We do not belong to those who shrink back. We have faith, confidence, full trust, in God. And because of that, when difficult times come, we shouldn't shrink back. What does he say here? When you shrink back, you are destroyed. But when you stand confidently and faithfully, you will live. There is no advantage whatsoever in God's eyes to shrink back. We're to stand, and we're to stand firm no matter what comes our way. 
Warren Wiersbe has said that true Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. Faith is a very practical thing. When I was thinking about what to say about faith today, I thought, well, what can you say? And then I looked. You know, faith is like everything else in Scripture. There's practical application. So if God wants us to apply something, why would he make it complicated? Well, he doesn't with faith. Faith is very simple. God speaks. We hear him speak. We trust what he says. And we respond accordingly. God speaks. We hear him speak. We trust in what he says. And we act accordingly. That's the basis for it. You know, the circumstances may seem impossible. The circumstances may frighten us. We may fear the consequences, but we can have full trust in God. Because God honors His Word. Our church council shared with you some information that can be at the same time frightening. And it can seem overwhelming at the same time. I mean, let's be honest. $83,000 is a lot of money. I don't know any one person that could sit down and say, "Eh, I'll cover that. It's a lot of money. It can seem frightening. If If you were facing a similar situation in your own life, it could be a frightening thing. But here's the thing. Faith is our confidence in God. When we adopted that core value as a church, finances weren't a problem. So the question we have to ask ourselves, when we proclaim that faith is our confidence in God, when we did it in good times, does it still apply In struggling times, do we still have full confidence in God in what he's called us to do and in our ability to do it? Do we still have that in the face of difficulty? Or do we need to look for someone else? Because our faith is only as good as the object. If God is not good enough, an object, for us to put our full trust and our faith in difficult times on, then who else? Who else? Do we put it in ourselves? Do we put it in a committee? No. It's in God. So we have to ask ourselves, is that core value still our core value? And if it is, we need to act on it. Do you really trust God with every aspect of your life? We trust Him, as Dan said, with our salvation. Maybe we trust Him to to watch after us and to care for us. 
Maybe we trust him to, to keep us safe when we, when we go out and, and do things. But do we trust him when times are difficult? And even when it doesn't look good on paper, do we as individuals trust him with our finances? Not just do we as a church trust him with our finances, but do we as individuals trust God with our finances? It's an important question for us to consider. Not as a church necessarily, but as individuals. Because we are the church. And we have to ask ourselves, is God sufficient not just to meet my needs for today, but is he sufficient to exceed my needs so that I can be generous with others? Like scripture says. God says it, we hear it, but do we trust it and do we respond accordingly? We have to really ask ourselves that. Because if we hear him, and we don't act accordingly, then it means there in the middle, faith is our confidence in God is not a core value. Because if it was, we would act on it. You know, I have some wonderful memories of when I was a boy growing up. I really do. Uh, when I was, was young... Uh, before I was old enough to go to kindergarten, uh, my grandfather and my grandmother uh, kept me while my parents worked. And uh, every day that the weather was decent, my grandfather would take me for these long walks in the woods. And I have such wonderful memories of, of spending time uh, with, with him. He was such a, just a loving and incredibly uh, giving person. Uh, we would go out, and, and it was neat because we would sometimes find a new path that we had never gone down before. Or, or maybe we'd turn over a rock, and there would be some creature that we'd never seen before. Or I remember the one day that we were walking along, and there was a, a tree that had fallen by this little stream. And so we, we sat on that tree, and, uh, and, and we ate the apples that we, we had brought with us. And I have such wonderful memories of those times with my grandfather. But you know what? One day I grew up and my grandfather died. Now, I still have those wonderful memories. But I have not lived the rest of my life hoping that one day that would come back. No, I have cherished those memories, but I have moved on to do other things and for, to new adventures and to find new things that God has in store for me. Fond memories, but I've moved beyond those. You know, and one day, I, I hope that, that uh, Caroline, who calls me Baba, will look back on me and have wonderful memories of the time she spent with Baba. But at some point, I'm going to be gone. And I don't want her to live in this world hoping that one day Baba and those great memories are going to come back. What I hope she does and any other grandchildren I might have along the way will move beyond that and create new memories for their grandchildren.
and find new adventures and make the world a better place through their faith. That's what I hope. We talk about the church and we have fond memories of the church. One of the neatest things, I kid you not, when I first came to Clarksburg, some of the older members who had been here a long, long, long time uh, would either me visiting in their homes or they would take me out to dinner or something, but they were a wealth of knowledge about our church history. And they would share with me these incredible stories about what Clarksburg Baptist Church had done, these wonderful memories that they had of of ministry here and what the church had meant to them personally. Do you know one time we had a men's Sunday school class that had 200 men in it. 200! I've seen the room they met in. I don't know how they met, how they got in there, but they did. 200. Those are great memories. Those are great memories to have. But you know what? Even though our church has a rich history, I've been here for over 30 years. And you know what? There are not too many of you left who have more memories than I do. It goes back a long time. And you know what? I have wonderful memories. Some of the same memories that you have, maybe. And people will say to me, Pastor, oh, I remember when Clarksburg Baptist Church, whatever. And I can say to them, hey, I remember too. And they're fond memories. And they are great memories. But you know what? The 1950s, the 1960s, the 1970s, the 1980s, the 1990s, and the early part of this century are gone. They are gone. And they're not coming back. But we're still here. And so the question is, Is God calling us to meet new challenges or is he calling on us to sit around and reminisce? Max Hill at the West Virginia Baptist Convention this past October preached and and in his sermon he said this. He said, if 1960 ever rolls around again, We have a lot of churches that are perfectly poised to do ministry. I don't want to be that church. I don't. And you know what? I don't think you do either. I don't think you want to be that church. I don't think you want to be the remember when church. What I think is that you want to be the church that meets the challenges for this day and for this generation and for the circumstances that exist now and make a difference in the kingdom of God. That's what I believe about you. I know it's true for me. 
So we have to ask ourselves, are we going to be as faithful in the good times, in the bad times, rather, are we going to be as faithful in the bad times as we were during those times that we have such fond memories of? A lot of times today, when people hear of, of churches that are maybe having a financial issue or two, the first maybe response is to bail. There are a lot of other churches in Harrison County. Hey, this one isn't doing so well. I can pick another one. And you know what? You can. But you know what? God has called this church to do some incredible things. And I believe you want to be a part of that. I believe that you want to be a part of what God is doing here. I believe that you want to do more than just come here and enjoy worship. I think that you want to do more than just go and, and have a, a life group session and, and fellowship with others and learn scripture. I really believe that what you really want deep down is to make a difference in the kingdom of God. The question is, will you respond to it? Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. This is a beautiful passage. But if we're not careful, and here's why I saved it for the end. Because if we're not careful, we will make this a definition of faith. This is not a definition of faith. This is a description of what faith does and how it works. You know, it's been said that faith is not believing in spite of evidence, but it is obeying in spite of consequence, resting on God's faithfulness. If you read the rest of chapter 11, you will find a list of all of these folks who truly were ordinary people, but who did extraordinary things for God. And the question for us maybe is, if there were to be a list compiled just of folks from this church in a hundred years, people who were commended for their faith, would your name be on it? Would my name be on it? Would we be one of those people that God would commend because of our faith. So what step of faith is God calling you to make right now? Maybe you've been living a life that's, that's uncomplicated, it's comfortable, I like it where I am. But maybe, maybe it's time for you to start living and giving in a manner that requires faith again. In a manner that requires faith again. This church is going forward because we have a vision for what God wants us to do here. And in spite of difficulties, we're, we're going we're gonna to go on. We, we are. We're going to continue. But it's going to require faith. Leadership's going to have to have faith. The people who do ministry are going to have to have faith. 
What about you? Are you ready to live your life in a way that requires faith again? I believe you are. I believe you are, and I want to challenge you to do this. Just that, rather. To live in a way that requires faith, that moves you beyond comfort. You know, this isn't a question about do you have faith in the staff. It's not a question about do you have faith in church council. It's not a question about do you have faith in the church. The question of faith doesn't relate to us. It relates to what God is doing. And so as we come here today... Do you have faith in what God is doing? Do you put your full trust, your full confidence in what he's doing? And if you do, is it going to show in your life, in the way that you live, and in the way that you respond to the challenges that God has put before us? I believe you will. Let's pray.